The Lord is good. Amen. God is good on a hot Sunday evening in Galena, Kansas. Amen. I couldn't believe when we were driving out here yesterday that uh, my car got up to 105. And so I thought, whoo, Lord, I'm glad I'm saved and on my way to heaven. I sure don't want to go to hell because I can't stand the heat. So, uh, but anyway, God is good and we can enjoy all the seasons. Although I see by your grass, you need rain about like Kentucky does. And so uh, we just pray for the natural rain. We pray for the heavenly rain. Amen. And uh, didn't we have a good time this morning? God is so good. And I just am grateful for the opportunity to speak here at Christ Point. You guys are like family to Pastor Jimmy and I. And uh, we've been coming here as long as Josh has been preaching and pastoring this uh, this great group of people. And uh, so we just, I just kind of felt like this is my second home. And so I'm glad to see so many familiar faces. And then I told Pastor Josh today, I'm thrilled to see many new faces. And so those of you that um, have been coming just in the past, most people told me that, well, I've been here five months, I've been here seven months, I've been here, you know, a year. And, and so, you know, I'm just thrilled that God is doing something in your life. God is doing something at Christ point. And I just think your best days lie ahead. I don't think you've even seen what God is about to do. And I just feel an expectancy in my spirit that God is about to just break open heaven in this place. And I'm not just talking this week. I'm talking there is about to be a deluge. And I believe it with all of my heart. So I want to honor Pastor Josh and Pastor Tiffany uh, this evening. I love them. They're my kids. And uh, I thank you. So many of you came up to me and said, we thank you and uh, Pastor Jimmy for pouring into his life so that we can enjoy the fruit. And, uh, but I want to say to you, thank you for taking such good care of my kids. And so we love them and my grandbaby's on the way and I can't wait to see that sweet little baby. And, uh, and I just want to, uh, thank Ashley for coming with me. Ashley Sharp is our children's pastor at New Life Church in Frankfurt, where I'm from. She's also part of the dance team and uh, she leads it, and she has an incredible anointing on her life. And I believe tomorrow, I'm just going to let her loose for about two minutes before I uh, preach, and we're just going to let her loose, and she can pray the fire down. And uh, so anyway, I'm excited that she's been traveling with me everywhere that I can go by, uh, by car. And so, you know, Pastor Jimmy looked at me the other day, and he said, I'm really jealous he said, you know, I have to drive myself everywhere I go. And I said, well, if you'd be nice to people, you might get a driver. <laughs> but I'm grateful for Ashley. She drove all the way the, the whole eight and a half, nine and a half hours that we uh, came here. And she is like my daughter. And yes, Josh has had to share his love with these two girls sitting on the front row. But I just want us to give a big welcome to Ashley and let her know how much we appreciate her. She's my sidekick. And I'm honored that the presbyter is here tonight. And uh, so uh, your ladies, I got to meet them at the women's retreat, and we had so much fun with them. And so I give honor to you, and I'm grateful that you came on a Sunday night and brought so many people with you. And we just want to say we love y'all. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you are doing. I believe God is about to do something amazing in the Pentecostal Church of God. I just feel like there is a shift 
Everywhere I go, I'm sensing a shift of what God is doing. And I've been in a lot of districts here over the past couple of years, and I am just sensing a shift that God is about just to break some things open there as well. I prayed over this meeting many, many weeks before it ever started, and I've asked God for an open heaven. Because I believe if we can get under an open heaven, we open ourselves up and then we can get under an open heaven, then we can have encounters with God, encounters where we are changed, encounters where we're marked. You know what I'm saying? There's been times in my life that I have been marked by the experiences that I've had in his presence. And I'm believing God that this week will be such a move uh, in your life that you will be marked by this moment. Amen. And we just pray that that happens. I said this morning, I can't bring revival in my pocket or in my purse. You know, there's nothing that we can do. But when I, when we begin to engage together, just like you did in the beautiful worship that the team did tonight, then as we begin to worship and open ourselves up to the Lord, then God can do the miraculous. Amen. I believe he's still in the signs and the wonders and the miracle business, don't you? Amen. Well, if you'll turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of Second Kings, in the Old Testament, Second Kings, and we are going to read out of the second chapter. Second Kings chapter 2. And if you'll indulge me for a little bit this evening, I'm going to read 14 verses, verses 1 through 14. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. I'm so glad to see Kathy here tonight. She is my partner in ministry. I love her. And uh, for about two years, Kathy and I have been on a, a team for Kimberly Ming, where we have been editing the women's devotional, and uh, we've been writing and reading and editing, and um, she is just really, really an amazing friend. I thank God for you and your anointing. The anointing on your life is one that breaks yokes. And sis, I'm so, so, so proud of you. Beautiful inside and out. All right, don't you think so? Amen. Second Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14 reads in the King James Version. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, And as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets were at Bethel, and came forth to Elisha. They said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yeah, I know. Hold you your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth and thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho and the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, yeah, I know. Hold ye your peace. In other words, listen, guys, I know he's leaving today. Don't make this any worse on me, right? Verse 6, 
And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they stood, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked. That behold... There appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he rent them into two pieces. He then took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back. And stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And smote the waters and said. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had smitten the waters they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. Tonight I'm going to be speaking for just a few moments on the thought. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. We come to you in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Ghost. I thank you that your presence, God, has been here with us all day long. We thank you for saving the the lady this morning and filling the other lady with the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Father, that you have moved by your spirit and your power this morning and tonight already. And God, I thank you that we have not seen it all yet. Lord, I pray that as I begin to preach the word, that the seed of the word of God would be planted into hearts, Lord, where the soil is ready to take the seed. And God, that that seed would grow and produce fruit, and that fruit would remain all the days of our lives. I pray, God, not only for the reading of the word, but for the ministry of the spirit of the word to be activated tonight. I thank you that the word has free course. And Spirit of God, we say to you, move and have your way and do the will of the Father tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So God has given to every one of us an assignment. The purpose of our lives is to fulfill that God-given assignment and to serve God in our generation. But God has a way of preparing us for that assignment. You see, tonight we are not born qualified, we become qualified. 
Your assignment will require seasons of preparation. Young ministers today want to prepare three and a half years for 30 years of ministry. But Jesus prepared 30 years for three and a half years of ministry. So you see, the preparation time is not always easy. The preparation time is not always exciting. And trust me, the preparation time is not always fun. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the preparation time is necessary. And it is necessary in order for us to have a firm foundation, in order for us to have strong character, and to have an influence that will reach far beyond what we could have ever dreamed possible. Preparation time is never wasted time. Let me say that again. Preparation time is never wasted time. Opportunity typically favors those who have paid the price of years of preparation. And I believe tonight that that's exactly why God gave us the example of Elijah and Elisha. You see, they're not just fictitious characters in a book. I have often taught in Bible school and I have often preached down through the years that we do not read simply simple Bible stories, but they are actual events that happened. Amen. They're not stories. They're not uh, fanciful and they're not, you know, mystical, but they are real life people. Come on. That had real life events. And Elijah and Elisha were real men facing real problems with a real call of God on their lives, but best of all, they had each other. Our text tonight is rich with so many treasures, but I want us to notice three significant things about this beautiful event. First of all, I want us to notice the call. Second, I want us to note the journey. And third, I want us to notice the question. Say this with me. The call, the journey, the question. Say it again. The call, the journey, the question. Let's look at it. Let's look at the call. In First Kings, before the time of our text, Elijah stood at the mouth of a cave with his mantle wrapped around his face. And the Lord spoke to him in a still, small voice. And when he did, God commissioned Elijah to do three things. He was to, number one, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. He was, number two, to anoint Jehu to be king over Israel. And the third thing, he was to anoint Elisha to be the prophet who would take his place. You see, the anointing is precious. The anointing accompanies the call. Without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the preacher can't preach. The teacher can't teach. And the Christian worker could sweat all they want to, but they'll never succeed because it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. Can I hear an amen? 
You see, tonight your mama can't call you into the ministry. Your daddy can't call you into the ministry. Your grandma can't call you into the ministry. But it is God who calls. It is God who anoints. It is God who calls people, men and women and boys and girls today. And I want us to notice that the call initiated with God. Not with anybody else, but the call initiated with God. It all initiates the uh, with God. Our lives, our purpose, the calling of God on our lives, the anointing of God on our lives, all initiate with initiates with Him because it is His call. We are His people serving His kingdom for His purposes. Amen. When we look at 1 Kings chapter 19, and we start reading in verse 19 through 21, the Bible said, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, this is Elijah coming to Elisha, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12th, and Elijah passed by him, and he cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen. He slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and he went after Elijah and he ministered unto him. You see, Elijah did something significant as a sign that Elisha was called by God to be the next prophet in his place. The Bible said that he cast or he threw the mantle on him, his mantle on him. This was a dramatic symbol that said, I call upon you to join in my work as a prophet. The mantle was a symbol of God's power and God's anointing. We see a few things that are significant concerning Elisha at the time of his call. Number one, we see the first thing that he was working when God called him. I said he was working when God called him. He wasn't lazy. You see, I've often preached and told people God don't like lazy. Some people are like blisters. They never show up until the work is done. Can I hear an amen? God gives us the example of the ant to consider her ways and to be wise in Proverbs. He said, how long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep and a little slumber and a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come upon one as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. You see, Rip Van Winkle was the only man to become famous while he slept. You see, you can't be lazy and serve God properly. You can't be lazy and fulfill the call that God has on your life. 
Do you know why there's so much room at the top, as they say? It is because the crowd is at the bottom waiting for the elevator to take them up. You see, everybody wants a free ride, but God's not into free rides. God does not like lazy. God needs to find us working, and he calls those who are working. So we see here that Elisha is not lazy, but Elisha was working when he was called. Second of all, we notice that Elisha responded quickly. Delayed obedience becomes disobedience. Now notice he not only sacrificed his oxen, but he burnt the plow and he burnt the yokes to boot. Just a casual reading of this event will cause one to miss the importance of it. You see, the significant, it is significant because it meant a total break from his past. You can never go forward when you're always looking back. There's a reason why the windshield is much bigger than the rear view mirror that's in front, because what's in front of you is more important than what's behind you. You see, Lot's wife teaches us that things tend to go wrong when our focus is what is behind us. You can never fully follow the call of God on your life when you're constantly looking back. So Elisha had a wholehearted obedience to the call that God had placed on his life. The third thing that we see about the call of God on Elisha's life is that he dropped everything and he went after the man of God and he ministered unto him. Now God did not call Elisha without giving him someone that he could look up to that he could learn from, and that he could serve. The same is true today. You see, before Joshua became the man of the hour, he was the servant of yesterday. We don't read about Moses the leader. We read about Moses my servant. Abraham was God's servant in Genesis 26. Moses was God's servant in Joshua chapter 1. And Joshua was Moses' servant in Exodus 33. Caleb was God's servant in Numbers 14. And Samuel was God's servant in 1 Samuel chapter 3. David was Saul's servant in 1 Samuel 29. And David was also God's servant in 1 Chronicles chapter 17. Elijah was God's servant in 2 Kings 9, and Isaiah was God's servant in Isaiah chapter 20. You see, many people are willing to lead, but they aren't willing to follow first. But you will never learn to be a good leader until you first learn to be a good follower. You see, tonight, you can't be a good employee. You, uh, if you can't be a good employee, how are you going to be a good manager? Why would they give you a promotion on your job if you can't even follow the instructions, come on, that they give you to begin with? You see, many people want to sit in the higher seats of authority, but they're not willing to take the lower seat first. And Jesus spoke about this in Luke 14 when he said, it's better to be asked to come up, come on, than to sit down. So I've seen many people that are called into the ministry who want everybody to serve them 
but they won't lift a finger to serve anybody else. It's these people that that spell service, S-E-R-V-E dash U-S, serve us. Even the Philippian jailer cared nothing about the sufferings of Paul and Silas until he knew Christ. But when he knew Christ, come on somebody, when he knew him, it was then and only then that the Bible said that he washed the stripes of his prisoners. So Jesus said it like this, he who would be great among you needs to be your servant of all. Jesus easily moved from preaching before crowds of thousands to kneeling down and washing the disciples' feet. You see, my friends, the bigger the title, the bigger the towel. The bigger the title, the bigger the towel. We never be move beyond serving other people. We never get so big that the ministry of helps is beneath us or beyond us. We're all in the ministry of helps, and we're all called to serve somebody. And we need more people who are called into the ministry to be just like Jesus. Amen. You see, when Elijah threw his mantle upon Elisha, Elisha knew that he was ultimately following the call of God on his life, but he still followed the man of God in order to be better equipped for the call. If you look all through the scriptures, you'll find that God designed mentors and mentees. Moses and Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, Paul and Timothy. Mentorship is wisdom without the pain. And in every generation, God's design has always been spiritual mentorship so that the following generations won't be crippled, ill-equipped, or even dead to the things of God. And you see, Elijah was a great mentor to Elisha because he taught him to obey God and you'll see miracles happen. He taught him to pray and watch God move. He taught him to stand strong and to be God's man. And he taught him, don't just sit around waiting for a transition, but stay busy and serve God until he comes. You see, even after he performed all of his miracles, knowing that his change was about to come, the last thing that Elijah did was to visit the different schools of the prophets and check up on the students. You see, Elisha was faithful to serve Elijah, and it caused him to be better equipped to the call of God that was on his own life. Luke chapter 16 and 12 says it like this, and if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Many of you know my husband, and he's a great example of this. Jimmy and I have been married for 30 years this coming November. We pastored Amen. Deserve a hand clap for being married to him for 30 years. Yes, you know, you've lived with us, baby. We pastored in Amarillo, Texas for five years. We were ministering in Oklahoma City and helping a pastor friend of ours out for four years. When Jimmy comes to me one evening, and I'm a hairdresser, I work at a salon, and I had been working all day, and I came home, and he said, I need to tell you something. I said, okay, and I went through the house. He said, no, I need you to sit down because he knows, you know, sometimes I don't pay attention to him, I just go on. He said, no, I'm, I'm serious. I've got something to tell you. And I said, okay. He said, our phone's getting ready to ring off the hook. It had not, it had not rang for four years. 
He said, our phone's getting ready to ring off the hook. And when it does, we're, there's a lot of opportunities that's going to begin opening up for us. But when it does, he said, we're not just going to shrug off any opportunity because we don't want to do it. We're going to pray. We're going to talk to each other. And we are going to consult God and let him direct our paths. And so I said, okay, all right. Went on about my business. Didn't think anything more about it. So help me the next week. I am telling you that God's on the truth. The next week, our phone began to ring off, ring off the hook. I mean, people called us to come and pastor small churches, big churches, medium churches. There were people, there were bishops in districts that were trying to create, uh, create positions just for us to come out to their district. All these opportunities begin to come. Some, uh, with, to be on staff and some taking offices. And, you know, some of these churches were well known and some weren't well known. And so one particular day, we had a call that come in that was an enormous opportunity for any young couple. If I name dropped, you would know every name that I called that went to this church. And I came home from work that evening and Jimmy told me about the call and he told me that he had declined the offer. I was really puzzled because they had wanted us to come pastor this church. It had been birthed two years uh, previously previously, and they had already had 2,000 people in it. And I said, why would you not take such an opportunity at your age, and when you can do whatever you want to do. And he began to talk to me, and he said, Melissa, the Lord spoke to me today. And as I began to look at him, he had tears well up in his eyes, and he said, God spoke to me and told me that I'm to go back to Frankfurt, and I'm to help your, and I'm to help your dad for this season of his life. And I was shocked. And I said, you want to go back to Frankfurt? Now, he's not from Frankfurt. He's from Texarkana, Texas. But I'm from Frankfurt. And Frankfurt's small. We have 27,000 people in my town. And I said, you mean to tell me you want to go back to my home? I couldn't believe it. Now I'm more grateful for him obeying God than I could have ever understood that day. You see, my parents are 87 and 83 years old. They pastored our church for 46 years. They have always been faithful, faithful to the call of God on their lives to go anywhere he told them to go and to do anything that he said to do. By now, they're feeling in their bodies the winter season of their lives. And uh, we, at this point in our lives, have been home for 14 years. When we went back to Frankfurt, we had been lead pastors. We had held positions in in the district. We had held positions regionally in the Pentecostal Church of God. But when we went back home, we went back home as youth pastors. Oh my. Not associate pastors, not pastors. We went back to take care of the kids. Then later on, we become associate pastors, even though we had been lead pastors. And about four years ago, the Lord spoke to my dad that it was time to sit down and transition, and Jimmy took over the pastorate of our church. You see, it's not always been easy. This season has been 14 years. My dad and Jimmy are about as different as Elijah and Elisha. Their personalities are total opposites. Both are incredible men of God. Both love Jesus but both have very different approaches to ministry. There were times that my husband was frustrated. 
There were times when my dad was frustrated. There has been times that Jimmy wanted to get out and go and do his own thing. And there have been times when my dad wished Jimmy would go out and do his own thing. But Jimmy just kept on going back to the heart of God, where God told him to go and serve the man of God. And he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that ultimately he was there to serve my parents for this season of their lives, and that he has done faithfully. By Jimmy being faithful to God to serve dad, it's enabled my dad to to have his full salary and stay in the ministry up into his 80s. It's also enabled me to be around my family, which I desperately needed more than I even thought back then, and it enabled me at this time to take care of both of my parents. It enabled me to to, uh, be with my middle sister for 12 and a half years before she suddenly passed away at the age of 64 in September of 2020. You see, it's not been easy. It's not been an easy season, but it's been a necessary season. And in November of 2018, Jimmy became the national director, the global director of the men's ministry for the Pentecostal Church of God. He was a man who was in obscurity simply serving another man. God does not reward offices. God rewards faithfulness. You see, God always has a purpose. And God always has a plan in our serving. So I feel like I am to say to you tonight by the Spirit of God, if you serve another man or another woman faithfully in ministry, God will eventually give you your own ministry, fully equipped with everything that you need. But it all begins by serving somebody else. You see, you never lose by serving. Elisha left all he had burned up the oxen, burned up the plow to boot, and he followed the man of God. Why? Because of the call. Next, we see the journey. Somebody say the journey. From the time that Elisha burned his oxen, plow, and yokes when he accepted the call of God on his life, we don't hear about him for eight solid years. Elisha didn't just follow Elijah one day or one week, but he followed him, the Bible said, from place to place. At the time of our text, we see that Elisha followed Elijah from Gilgal to Bethel, from Bethel to Jericho, and from Jericho to Jordan. It is here that we see in all three places, Elijah told Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee. In other words, stay here, and I'm going on to the next place. It's almost as if Elijah was testing Elisha to see the level of his commitment. But every time Elisha responded, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I won't leave thee. You see, not only the call of God was important to Elisha, but he had determined that he would be fully committed in serving and loving the man of God that God had called him to serve as well. I've seen that in the journey, in this, I've seen this type of journey in the life of my husband and your pastor, who now serves as the assistant general in the Pentecostal Church of God. I never would have thought when this kid was 16 years old in that West Virginia camp meeting that he would turn out like he did today. 
Because I'm telling you, as I've often said, he was green as a gourd. And we fell in love with him from the moment that we saw him. From that very moment, as Pastor Josh told you this morning, there's been a divine connection between these two men. Joshua came and he served us and he served uh, my husband and he served me at the church in Amarillo when he had an internship and he lived with us for three years. He not only served Jimmy, but he helped me in the kitchen. He helped me to do what I needed to do around the church. He helped me in everything that I needed to do. He even helped me clean my house back then, believe it or not. Jimmy, as he said this morning, taught him how to preach. Jimmy taught him how to pastor, and he taught him how to stand strong and to be a man. And for over 25 years now, Joshua has been mentored by my husband, and the bond that they have, have, as he said this morning, is like that of a father and a son. Matter of fact, we claim him as our own son. We were not able to have children, as I told you this morning, and God gave us a son of Joshua, and he's given us Ashley, and he's given us Tiffany as daughters. And so I would imagine that the bond that we have with these kids are much like Elijah and Elisha because they both have great calls of God, all three, I should say by now, on their lives. You see, Joshua was fully committed to serving the man that God had called him to. And eventually now, God has given him that which is his own. So we have seen these scriptures be fulfilled. And during this journey, Elisha served Elijah for eight long years, day in and day out. But it's not always so with people. Because people have a tendency to follow and to serve as long as it's convenient. They have a tendency to get upset and move out of the area that God has placed them in over the smallest of things. But you see, it's one thing to be fully committed when everything is great and we're seeing God move. But what about being fully committed when our feelings get hurt? Come on. Proverbs 6, 20 through 23 says that the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. What is your response the last time a leader pointed out an area in your life that needed to be improved or changed? Were you angry? Were you defensive? Or were you grateful that they cared enough to help you to get to the next level? What about being fully committed when we get tired? When we get weary? What about being fully committed when we're asked to get out of our comfort zone? You see, a comfort zone might be comfortable, but nothing ever grows in a comfort zone. We cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. And we have to be very careful that our temper, impatience, or a spirit of offense takes us from the place and takes us from the person that God has called us to for particular seasons in our lives. You see, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11 lets us know that God the Father shows us his love through correction. Psalm 141, 1 through 5 tells us that David's attitude toward correction was one that he saw it as a kindness and he saw it as an excellent oil. We have to be determined in the obedience to the call of God 
that regardless of what comes our way, regardless of how we feel, no matter how inconvenient it is to us, we will be fully committed to God and we will be fully committed to God's process. I don't know why God told me to preach this tonight, but he did. I spoke to you about my husband earlier and I want to go a little further. You see, in serving my dad in the pastorate, one of the things that Jimmy was asked to do was to be the men's director in our church. And the more that he served in this capacity, the more that he saw the need for strengthening the men of the kingdom of God. It was really interesting to sit on the sidelines and watch. Because God gave him ideas and resources and incredible downloads for men's ministry. Now listen, starting a men's ministry or trying to revitalize a men's ministry in a local church or a global church or a global movement certainly is no easy task. But he did it and we saw God do incredible things in our men. You see, Jimmy was faithful in the journey of serving my dad and serving the men of New Life Church. And as I mentioned before, the Pentecostal Church of God asked him to be the global men's director of our movement. They told him that his name was mentioned on the missions board and they had a 100% vote to have him fill the position if he wanted the assignment. Now Jimmy is able to do what God gave him in those men's meetings, come on, when he was asked to be a local men's director, when God began to give him downloads for men and a heart to serve men, now he's able to expand that to a global scale. And men all over the nation have been impacted by the mantle of the anointing and the call that is on his life to serve him and even in this district and all over the world. You see, tonight you may not understand what God is doing. You may not understand why you are where you are. But you can rest assured one thing. That if you stay on course, if you stay on your journey, you will understand it all in time. You see, the success of the postage stamp is in its ability to stick to something until it gets there. So I want to encourage you tonight, don't be impatient. Allow the journey to mold you. Allow the journey to make you into what God wants you to be. Because the journey is about your development. The journey might be long and arduous at times, but it is about God doing something in you to sustain you for the assignment that God has called ahead of you. You see, the call and the journey begin with an inward work. It's an inward work of learning, developing, and being mentored. It's an inward work of learning faithfulness. It's a time to learn to bloom exactly where you're planted. And it's time, uh, it's a time of learning to say to your Elijah, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. You see, I want to encourage you tonight. To stay the course in the journey in order to fulfill your God-given assignment. The call is a must. The journey is necessary. But the question is significant. The question is significant. We actually see two questions in our text. The first question is from Elijah to Elisha. 
And he asked him, he said, what shall I do for thee before I'm taken away? What a beautiful question that an elder minister asked a younger minister. We don't see that much nowadays. All of these years, Elisha had served Elijah. Now Elijah turns right around and says, Elisha, how can I serve you? And his response was to ask for a double portion of Elijah's spirit to be upon him. Now this response was not one of getting the better of Elijah. He's not saying, I want to be better than you. I want to do double than you. This was an expression that was used in Deuteronomy 21.17 of the firstborn son getting a double portion of the inheritance. He was asking for the portion of the firstborn son because they had that kind of relationship. They had a father and a son relationship. So it was in the asking and it was in the answering that both men were preparing for their future. I'm telling you, patience pays off. Ministers, listen to me tonight. Young ministers that are serving Pastor Josh in this church tonight. Patience will pay off. Serve Him. Love Him. Because in serving Him, you are serving God. And you are obeying the call of God on your life. You see, of course, the double portion wasn't Elijah's to give. He said, you've asked me a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken away from you, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it won't be so. And after this encounter, the two men continued to do what they had done for years. What did they do? They continued walking and talking. And that's what mentorship is all about. It's in the everyday walking and talking. And lo and behold, in the middle of an ordinary day, God stepped in and did the extraordinary For the Bible said, and it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. You see, in the middle of an ordinary day, Elisha saw God do the extraordinary. He stayed on course with the man of God, and God showed him the miraculous on an ordinary day. And as we continue to do daily exactly what God has called us to do, one of these ordinary days, you're going to see that which God has ordained for you to come to pass. For it's not in the thunder and the lightning, Elijah. It's not in the wind and it's not in the earthquake. But it's in the still small voice. It's in the walking and it's in the talking. And it's in the everyday task and the getting up and being faithful and staying faithful and serving those whom God has called us to serve. And it's in that faithfulness that we will see God begin to do the supernatural. So I want to encourage you to 
tonight. Don't be weary and well-doing and don't you faint and don't you give up. Because I believe tonight the Spirit of God sent me all the way from Kentucky to tell you that your breakthrough is right around the corner. There is a changing of the season and it may happen in any moment of time. I said there's a changing of the seasons. I said by the Spirit of God there's a changing of the season. You hang in there and you be patient. You do what God has called you to do. You serve who God has called you to do. serve. And on an ordinary day, you're going to begin to see the miraculous. Can you give God a shout of praise in this house? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. The Bible said in verse 13 that he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. It's here that we see the mantle take up significance once again. We saw its significance at the call of Elijah. But here we see that as Elijah was going up, the mantle was coming down. In other words, on an ordinary day, there was a changing of the guard. Notice that the mantle did not fall on Elisha as the chariot of fire went up. Elisha had to go and pick it up. It was a decision. You see, he had been with Elijah for many years and he had seen many things. He knew what that mantle would cost him. The ministry of Elijah was one of great power, but it was also one of great pressure and great responsibility. You have to count the cost when you pick up the mantle that has been passed on to you. The pulpit ministry is about 10% of it. The other 90% is hard work, dedication, and working with people who are difficult and not always kind. It's pressure beyond words, but it's also a life of fulfillment like you've never known before. It's a life of seeing God move and touch lives and situations, and you get a front row seat to the whole thing. It's a life of significance knowing that you are a small part in the greater kingdom of God that is advancing in the earth. So Elisha takes the initiative and he takes up the mantle that was his inheritance from God all along. You see, God never gives an endowment without the opportunity to use it. God never places a call on your life without him intending for you to use it. God always has a plan. He always has a purpose for his call on your life. God, as my husband often says, doesn't call us to sit soaking sour. But God has called us to take some initiative. He's called us to do what he has purposed for our lives. So Elisha took up the mantle. And next we see what he does with it, which brings us to the question. Verse 4 says, And he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And we had also smitten the waters. They parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where 
is Elijah's God. You see, this was not a question of frustration. This was not a question of doubt and unbelief like most people believe it was. But this was a prayer. This was a prayer for God to show himself in Elisha's life like he showed himself for Elijah. He was saying, where's the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the God that caused Elijah to boldly stand toe-to-toe with the wicked king and declare that there would be no rain or dew apart from his word? Where's the God who caused Elijah to go to the brook Cherith where he was miraculously fed by ravens, scavengers that more than likely came from the wicked king's table? Where is the God who mightily raised the dead son of the widow of Zarephath? Where is the God who answers by fire and by whose hand 450 prophets of Baal met their doom? Where is the God who answers prayer by sending a cloud of the size of a man's hand? Who caused Elijah to outrun the chariots of Ahab and encourage the discouraged, the downtrodden prophet by sending an angel to feed him, to give him rest so that he could stand up and walk a little further? Where is the Lord God of Elijah who sets up kings and who sets down kings? Who still calls men and women and boys and girls and places his mantle of anointing, his mantle of authority on their life to do his work in the earth? I want you to know, does anybody know him tonight? Does anybody know him tonight? I want you to know that I know the Lord. Lord God of Elijah, I've seen him work in my life. I've seen him provide when there was nothing to provide with. I've seen God make a way where there seemed to be no way. I've seen God make the crooked path straight. He's opened doors that I never saw coming. He's anointed, and when I didn't think there was any anointing left, he has touched people, and I have seen them saved and delivered and healed. I'm telling you, I know the Lord God of Elijah. The apostle Paul said, oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The prophet Daniel said, the people that know their God shall do exploits. I want you to know tonight that I know him and I know where he is. I said, I know him and I know where he is. Like that song said, he is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. He is here, holy, holy. I will bless his name again. He is here, listen closely. Hear him calling out your name. He is here and you can touch him and you will never be the same. Give him praise and give him glory in this house. Hallelujah. 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 I said he's here and he's raising you up tonight to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's here to set you far above principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and wickedness in high places. He's here to meet you at the point of your need. He's here to 
to heal your body. He's here to touch your mind and cause every tormenting spirit to leave you. He's here to give you power and strength to go on a little further when you're tired and when you're weary. He's here to give you authority to speak to every storm in your life and say, peace be still. Tonight he is here to give you beauty for ashes and joy for your pain. He's here to give you hope for your future. He's here to encourage you, uplift you, undergird you, and to restore your joy. And the good news is that he's not only here, but he's in you. And I've come here to tell you tonight that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater, greater, greater. You may not see him tonight and you may not feel him tonight, but you can rest assured that even when you don't see him, he's working. Even when you don't feel him, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. Why? Because he's the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper in the light and the darkness. My God, that's who you are. Will you stand to your feet and begin to give God glory in this house tonight? Come on and stand to your feet and bless him. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be on my lips. Oh God, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, I will bless you and I'll give you praise. We give you glory and we give you honor in this place today. Oh Lord God of Elijah, you are here. You're here. You're here. I praise you and I give you glory in this house. As you remain standing, I want you to close your eyes and I believe that the Spirit of God spoke to me and told me that there's some people here that are frustrated and confused because you've wondered in your heart of hearts when your season will come. And tonight I want to pray with you. There may be some of you here tonight that you're brave enough to answer the call of God on your life. You've been sensing that there's a call that God has brought you into something. And I want to pray with you tonight. And there's some of you who need to be reminded that God is faithful. That God is going to help you and he's here to help you to go a little further. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To those who feel like they are called into the ministry, I want you to come to the front. And I want to pray with you tonight. If you feel that you have been called into the ministry, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called you. It may be to preach, prophesy and pray, or it may be to teach. No matter what that calling of God may be, it may be counseling. I want you to come. If you know that God has called you, I want you to come.